This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, in caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 640 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My name is Matt Baum, your head number one, and I formally would still like to be Joe Patrick's friend. Speaking of... I'm the internet's Joe Patrick, your head number two, and I'll kick it around, but no promises. Today on the show, we're back to reviewing new comics from the last two new comic book days, and then it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to make our must-read picks for next week. And finally, we'll give you a sneak peek at our Patreon Extra, where we'll be answering one lucky and very loyal listener's question during our Ask a Nerd segment. It's all happening in this brain-battering episode, so better put on a helmet, nerds, because it's review time in the ziggurat! This week's review pile is infested with big green conclusions, Amazon lady power, alien medical emergencies, and decapitated sharks. And ants. As I was gonna, I forgot to put the ant joke in there. That was the infested. Part. Oh well, yeah, there's <laughs> ants. Yeah. As always, we'll start with comics from last week, October 13th, and then move on to this Wednesday, October 20th. Matt, you have the con. Let's start out with ETER number one from AWA. It was $3.99. Here's your creative team. The Walk-Ins is the first story. It's written by Jeff McComsey with art by Javier Polito. And Hard Pill is the second story written by Dan Panosian with art by Sean Crystal. Here's your solicit. Intergalactic virus liquefy one of your heads. Feeling a bit off ever since you drove through that black hole? Then visit the ETER, the galaxy's leading medical facility. This interplanetary crew of doctors, nurses, paramedics, and technicians is uniquely qualified to cure what ails you. There's no planet too far, no asteroid too small, no patient, well, too alien. And they accept most forms of insurance. This supersized debut special includes two stories of medical madness that are out of this world. Supersized might be stretching it, but you know. I mean, it was two stories. There's two stories. I'll give them that. ETER joins AWA's shared upshot universe with this tongue-in-cheek medical procedural that's equal parts Chicago Med and Men in Black. The first story features the amazing and deceptively simple art of Javier Polito and tells the story of a human doctor discovering the ER and bringing her sense of respect for the patient and their plight to a new level when she helps save a very dangerous alien's life. McComsey's script was clever and very dry in its humor, but Polito's art does a wonderful job carrying the story. The second story sees a doctor in action inside a patient, fighting off zombie-infected cells, and ends with him making a scatological escape. Panosian's script... Through the butt. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Panosian's script is fairly boilerplate astronaut versus alien sci-fi, but the medical twist gives the story a fun hook, and Sean Crystal's art with his action-packed Ryan Otley-esque kind of style really brought the story home. 
ETR is a fun idea, and I'd like to see more with these characters and others working in the hospital, too. If they come back with a more character-driven medical procedural with aliens, I would love a book like this to sort of scratch my Alien Legion itch. How this fits into the upshot, you, which features books like Bad Mother and JMS's The Resistance, is a question for someone paying more attention to AWA. But I had fun with this read, and I would come back for more. I'm giving this a buy. I'm not convinced it's really a shared universe. It might be what they've marketed it as. It, yeah. may, it may have been something in a press release somewhere, but like this, this is not connected to anything. But uh, yeah, um, I'm calling this. Uh, uh, it was fun. I liked it. Oh, I, I liked see what it you just there. Uh, uh, okay, I get it. Yeah, ETER, it's, it was a good time. Uh, Javier Polito's art in the lead story is, of course, fantastic. Um, I really liked Sean Crystal as well. Uh, I, I, lo- I love the idea that they just loaded that guy up in a tube and dropped him down the gullet. Of some yeah, alien. I mean, they put him in a pill and he busted out, did his job and left. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I will say that the Javier Polito story, there were a couple of panels uh where I wasn't exactly sure what was happening. Um, and I find it hard to believe that it was a mistake on Javier Polito's part. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that was maybe a script issue where the, the actual progression of events wasn't uh, exactly clear, but um, it was still a really fun time. I would love this to be like an ongoing thing. Like, totally. Like, uh, like a comedy ER Men in Black. Like, I'm into it. It's a buy it for me. Yeah, I think it would be cool. Like, one creative team does a first story, and you invite other people to do the backup story. Right. You know, that'd yeah, be awesome. For sure. And just yeah, I think pick some aliens great. and tell us, in, you know, a medical drama in space. I love it. Speaking of uh, internal drama, we've got Immortal Hulk number 50 from Marvel Comics. The price is a beefy $9.99. It's a hefty That's beefy. Uh, That's a beefy boy. It's a beefy boy. It's a hulking, if you will. It's written by Al Ewing. It's got art by Joe Bennett. Here's your solicit. The giant-sized finale. Down in the below place, the Hulk searches among... But, whoa, whoa, sorry. Bullet! There you go. Down in the below place, the Hulk searches among the ghosts of the past for the answers to all his questions. Bullet! The one below all. The green door, Samuel Stearns, Jackie McGee, and Bruce Banner. It's all been leading here. This is the last issue of the Immortal Hulk. <laughs> Thank you. It almost seems like maybe don't do that. You know, like if you. Yeah, I don't know. It's, if you're uh, trying to get new readers, that's the wrong way to go. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they're trying to get new readers, but yeah. With this epic conclusion, Al Ewing and that other guy bring the Immortal Hulk to a close. It was always going to be interesting to see where Ewing would leave the Hulk for new writers after more or less redefining him completely. Ewing closes the door on the immortal era in more ways than one with a finale that brings balance to the newly defined system of Bruce Banner's altars. Uh, There was an actual uh, fun explanation. Uh, I don't know if it was in this issue or one of the immediately previous issues uh, in the back where uh, Al Ewing talks about uh, disassociative identity disorder uh, patients and how their altars are more like a system you know it's not like what we what we've seen in media in the past you know it's a much different kind of beast right sound like doom patrol <laughs> yeah right right yeah, or, you know legion crazy jane goes down to yeah, the basement typhoid and, mary yeah. Yeah, it's a the whole thing that is cool uh, though a, i do like that <laughs> right right yeah of course uh there's an unexpected link between hulk and his greatest enemy and even a direct challenge to the almighty yeah it's a wild ride 
and it needs to be experienced as part of the larger whole. But Ewing ends his story on a surprisingly hopeful note, like hopeful to the point where I like didn't trust it. I was like, oh, no, I think you almost have to, though. Right. I guess. Otherwise, you're just like, all right, new oncoming guys. Or is it Donny Cates that's coming on? It's Donny Cates. Yeah. yeah. You're like, good luck. <laughs> like, come right, on, man. Yeah. The Hulk has no head now. Right. Give the you're guy a rope to on. grab onto at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he leaves the Hulk in a place uh, where uh, well, fertile ground for Donny Cates to uh, to plant in, but he's got a tough act to follow. Uh, the art, of course, is truly outstanding. It's a shame, though, that the artist is such a shitbag. Uh, and that's um, that's the last I'll say of it. Uh, Immortal Hulk is going to go down as one of the greatest Hulk runs of all time. Matt Bomb keeps trying to get me to admit that it is the greatest Hulk run of all time. I think it depends on what you want out of a Hulk story. Because I know rabid Hulk fans that absolutely did not like this take on the Hulk. I mean, there's always going to be jerks that don't know what they're talking about. It's sure. not, it's nothing to be like, <laughs> it, this was, this was different than any Hulk story ever told. I will give you that different. Um, and it's certainly worth reading. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to add other than this is the best Hulk run ever written. And now it's finished. And now I can say I read the entire run and it's the best Hulk run I have ever read in my life. It is amazing it is okay to look at the art and say this art is incredible and separate that from the fact that the artist is a piece of shit that has been fired not this book's fault you know it is what it is well i mean you can engage with it at your own comfort level sure yeah i'm just saying it's okay to acknowledge damn this is a good looking book and it was a fantastic oh, well, sure. hulk story no question i don't think Donnie Cates has a real tough act to follow, quite honestly, because he ended this. It'll be a completely new thing. Yes, yeah, that, that's where I'm going with that. He, he ended the story. So now it's time to tell a different Hulk story. And that is not only very good writing, it's respectful. It's just very respectful. Right. As opposed I, to I, like, I set it up and just before that last domino falls, I'm going to let so-and-so jump in and take it from here. You know, like, well, you know, it could have been like the old, uh, the old daredevil style where it's like each daredevil writer left Matt Murdock in such a terrible place that the oncoming writer. I honestly to, like, think they were screwing like, with each other. <laughs> uh, like, and point. now Matt Murdock is in prison. Yeah, like, well, and I'm, now Matt Murdock has murdered a man. Right. Like, when does Bendis <laughs> like, take over? All right. Uh, the issue before he does, I'm going to have Murdock lose all his fingers. <laughs> yeah. Um, his what? secret identity has been revealed. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think they could have gone that way and it would have been fine. But I also think it's great that it, uh, Al Ewing just like told a complete story. Yeah. And he, this, this is the Immortal Hulk start to finish. And what comes next is what comes next. And you don't need to worry about this. Put a great bow on it. And it had a fantastic ending. And you're right. It was not the ending I saw coming. But not right. in like a surprise kind of way, just more of a, well, that is a tone shift. <laughs> well, and it's like, and it also, it didn't, you know, it didn't answer every question. Like one of the big themes of this arc uh, was like, why does the Hulk exist? Like philosophically, why? Like, right. wh like why God? Why is there a Hulk? Um, and um, Hulk gets a chance to ask. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think uh, he got uh, the answer he wanted is all. I don't um, know if there was an answer I was going to make Hulk feel. There, well, there was not. Gonna, like, what is that answer? Like, well, there Hulk, is never going to be an answer. Without right. Hulk, like, it's all, like, the, well, when, all the kittens when, in the world uh, would die. You know, like what? <laughs> when, when you were, uh, when your footsteps in the sand became quadrupled the size, that was when I carried you. My right. Son. It's like, no, shut up. Um, 
But uh, yeah, this was a great run, a great run. And this was a nice, uh, like you said, a a nice bow on it. Yeah. And we learned without Hulk, the world has no pizza. And I don't want to live in that world. So I'm glad the Hulk is here. Mm. It's a weird choice, but you know, there it is. Buy it from me. My second book from last week is Robin's. You heard that right. There's more than one. Number one from DC. It's $3.99. This is written by Tim Seeley with art by Baldemar Rivas. Here's your solicit. The five heroes who have donned the Robin cape and mask find themselves at a crossroads in their lives. Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, and Damian Wayne come together to discuss the big thing that binds them together. Was being Robin and Batman's sidekick the best choice they could have made? But before they can get to the heart of the matter, they're ambushed by an unknown assailant with a bone to pick with them. She claims to have been the first Robin, and she's out to prove Batman should have never trained any of them. Spoiler for the last page. Thanks a lot, Solicit. Winner of the DC's Round Robin Tournament, as chosen by you, the readers. I might have a bone to pick with you readers on that. Sorry, Etta Candy, but the fans have spoken, and they want a <laughs> digital first Robin's title featuring every character that served as Robin having a quick adventure and then sitting at a table to discuss whether or not being Robin was a good thing or not. Seeing as they all saved a ton of lives and the entirety of Gotham several times over, I think it's safe to say yes at this uh, point. In, in some cases, the universe. <laughs> like right. I, Nightwing, Nightwing has been in the Justice yes. League. Like, is there Batman. any question in any of these Robins' mind, other than Stephanie Brown, who did start a massive gang war? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Had to fake her own death. It was a whole thing. Right. I think it is very safe to say, yes, they all should have been Robin, and it was a good thing. And why they need to discuss it, other than to get them all in the same place to kick this story in motion, was kind of the real mystery for me. This I think it was like a catharsis thing, not like a did we do good. I think it was, was it like good for us? I you know? guess. I don't know. And there is something kind of fun about all the Robins in the same room, but this didn't have the same cool team book feel that Tinian's Rebirth Detective run did. The dialogue and story were lighthearted, although there might be a scene where Jason Todd kills someone and Dick Grayson sort of jokingly calls him out on it later, which doesn't seem... Yeah, no, that happened. That's definitely... That definitely happened. That doesn't seem very Dick Grayson to me. I don't know. Right. He's like, um, just wait till we get home, Jason. Right. (laughs) Wait. Pair that with the fact that almost all these characters have their own title at this point, and I have to wonder, other than fans voting for this title... I can't see a reason for this story unless they're going to play with some bat history by injecting a new character into the past, which never works out well. Just ask Tommy Elliott. Rivas' art is very solid and as fun and playful as the dialogue, although I can't stand Nightwing with a man bun. Please don't do that ever. Yeah, that was bad. I just think I'm enjoying all these characters more in their own books where they constantly already bump into the other Robins and you don't notice how white the whole group is when they're not all sitting at the same table. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm giving this a skim it. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I, I enjoy a bat family story. I do you know, too. like, we talked about that webtoon thing, the Gotham, whatever, Batman family adventures, I think it's called. Um, and I know that you didn't care for it, but it, it's no, obviously I hated a very, it. I hated it. Yeah, I understand. It's a very different kind of tone, but like, I'm into the family interaction type of story. I am too. So at that, like on that level, I'm like, okay, yeah, the Robin, like Robin's great. 
Um, but I also agree with you. Like, we don't really need to hash out. Like, everyone's got their own baggage about becoming Robin and, sure. and what being Robin did to them, uh, or or how it impacted their lives. And we've been over that, you know, at length with most of these characters already. Right. Since the spoiler was already let out of the bag with the solicit. Yeah. Um, I think that that last page character is Duella Dent. Uh, now I don't know that for sure. There's nothing in the script that says so, but I'm almost certain that if barf. you look at if you if you look at her um costume yes. where there would normally be an yes. R, I'm pretty sure that's a D. That's why I'm making this face. Yeah. Uh and so yeah, Duella Dent, aka uh the Joker's daughter, two two faces daughter. Barf. Like Duella Dent is a mentally ill woman who has claimed at various points in time to be the daughter of multiple super villains right um and at some points in time she has acted as a hero most of the time she's cuckoo banana pants uh and which is um, good we don't have enough like, cuckoo banana pants female wearing the joker's right face you know right. as a hat or whatever um and so yeah uh, i think that i'm calling my shot that that is duella and, and uh, she she's got it in her mind now that she was the first robin and that she deserves to be robin uh, which again is a story we've already read. Um, so, um, it's, it's, this book is fine. Um, I wish there had been more of like the familial stuff and less of the, what does it all mean kind of stuff. And yeah. I actually didn't really love the art. Oh, really? Um, no, I, I mean, I'm not saying okay. I loved it. It's fine. It, it's it, okay. It's it fine. goes yeah. with the tone of the book. Um, perfectly sure. Well. Um, so, and I'll tell you what, and this is not, I don't mean it as a slight, but it kind of is. Um, the fact that this was a digital first project, uh, the, and, uh, like there's a level of quality, uh, that this book has that I think is kind of maybe less than, uh, some of the other titles you might find on the shelves or on comiXology or on DC infinite. I don't disagree. Um, like if you look at the, even the lettering seems off, like it is not like this is, this lettering is like an off brand letter. Um, I, and I don't know. Um, if that's just because it was a digital first thing, uh, like it's free if you have comiXology on, or no, that was uh, something else. Um, but like, I, I think you can read it on DC uh, Universe Unlimited if you have that for free. Um, and like, it kind of reads like something that they put out for subscribers for free. I agree. Uh, it, it's, it's, it reminds me very much of the, of the Marvel's new Infinity Comics um, that by and large are not uh, of high quality. It's, it's almost uh, like it's not a completely fleshed out idea or it's like an afterthought or yes. it's like, well, let's kick this out to let's kick this out as a, like, and you know what? It's great. If you're going to do the initiative, if you're going to make the effort, that's great. Um, but these comics need to be good. And uh, other than the Jonathan Hickman, X-Men one, and maybe the captain America one, all of the ones I've looked at have been kind of subpar. So um, this kind of read like that to me, uh, I'm giving this a skim it because like, I, I, I love a good, uh, bat family story. Um, this just didn't really wow me. Yeah. Like I was hoping it would. And I think it's a good uh, example of like me, why we don't let the fans pick, you know, what gets well, made. Well, yeah, there's that. And also, <laughs> it also makes me think that all of the DC round Robin books would have been of a similar, uh, even though like I, we know, I know for a fact that like really good creators were pitching projects like Phil Hester had one. Yeah. Um, and the fans decided, and this is what we got. And it's, not great. Nope. So yeah. uh, it's a skim it. It's not terrible, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't really wow me. Yeah. No more tournaments. We all know who you're going to pick. 
Thanks. Yeah, stop it. It's not. It's a popularity contest, it, and that's yeah. not, that's a dumb thing Give to me do. A break. That's how you get Wolverine beating Lobo in a fight, guys. We've we've exactly. been through this already. Yeah. We did this in the nineties. Red herring. Holy stuffy. Holy ravioli. Holy grammar. Holy safari. Holy headlines. All right, my last book for last week is Clear Number One. This is a Comicsology original. The price is three ninety nine if you buy it on its own, but if you have Comicsology Unlimited, it is cheap as free. It's written by Scott Snyder with art by Francis Manipal. Here's your solicit, such as it is. A sci-fi mystery thrill ride into a strange dystopian future where a neurological internet connection is transforming reality. Batman writer Scott Snyder and detective comics artist Francis Manipal unite to take readers on this hard-boiled sci-fi journey. They said sci-fi twice in this description. I think that's probably a foul. It's twice as sci-fi. I don't know. I mean, it's I very it's twice sci-fi. As, it's twice as fi. <laughs> they want to yeah. reinforce that. <laughs> it's sci-sci-fi-fi. Sci-sci-fi-fi, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, this is sci-fi with two Ys after the S and two Ys after the Y. That's like just too crazy. No, let's not go Ys. that far. Come on. I, that's C-fi. Uh, apparently, this is the second title in writer Scott Snyder's mammoth comicsology deal. I don't remember what the first one was. I missed it. I'll have to look. I think, wasn't that um, Nocturna? That was an image book. Uh, so, no. It's printed uh, at Image. Nocterra. Oh, Nocterra. It's printed in Image, but I thought that was. No, no. That came out before the, oh, the right. comicsology deal. You are yeah, right. So, I'm not sure. I, I'll have to look. But uh, this imagines a future world where the evolution of technology has basically halted mankind in its tracks. Instead of the apocalyptic future everyone was scared of, a constant direct mental connection to internet fantasy has caused the world to instead slip into a slow decline. The old is crumbling and fading away, and everything new is purposely built to be drab and lifeless due to the existence of veils, a sort of a zoom background filter for each user's subjective reality. Do you want to walk around with the world seeming like Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead? There's a veil for that. Do you want to live in a nonstop porno? No problem, pervert. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Detective, uh, Detective Sam Dunes is one of the few that chooses to see the world for what it really is. And he makes his living solving black veil cases, which are crimes involving the black market sale. Uh, and use of illegal unregistered veils. They dangerous. Snyder's cyberpunk noir world has big private eye vibes that uh, BK Vaughn book uh, with the theme of technology gone wrong. Plus the dystopian tone of Blade Runner. Underneath it all, it's a compelling detective noir story with mysterious dames, gritty action, and a hard-boiled mystery. Manipal's art is tremendous, managing to bring a neon glow to the gritty street-level action. His depiction of various veils applied to the world around Sam is incredible, especially during the chase scene halfway through the book that sees the environment through like a dozen different veils at once, and it is really something. Clear number one is a fun, futuristic take on the detective noir genre with fantastic art. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, I think every time we read a Scott Snyder book that isn't in the mainstream DCU, we end up liking it because he seems to be really, really good when he's playing with his own ideas and can do whatever he wants in his own sandbox. Yeah. And he is a very creative guy and he is a very good writer. And to be fair, even, even his bat stuff at its Scott Snyderist, 
is not like as egregious as we have seen with like what Tom King does sometimes where we're just like, okay, come on, <laughs> you know, like, I like mean, I death I metal. Think, sure. It, it got wild and it got ridiculous, but it was just, it was just dumb. I don't think it was offensive. I just thought I it was mean, dumb. Right. And it's not <laughs> that, know? and it's not that there isn't stuff to enjoy in that. Like, I, I think that there is a tendency with, with big IPs for the writer to like, want to put their stamp on it. Yes. And it's easy to kind of get lost in the weeds. Yes. Um, but this is like Scott Snyder's baby, right? Scott right. Snyder and Francis Menopause's baby. Like, this is their a thing that they're nurturing from birth. Yes. Uh, you know, there's not, it, it's not going to be slave to any crossovers or, or whatever. Right. And it's weird just marketing really shit. well done. Really well done. And Francis Manipole. Goddamn. That's yeah, another, man. that is another dude that just gets better and better and better. No, this is great. I'm giving it a buy it. I don't think any of the other books have come out yet. I'm looking at the list. Barnstormers, Book of Evil, Canary, uh, clear. Uh, okay. Well, the, the duck and cover. I, Dudley the Datsun. The I read said it was the second one, but maybe maybe that's wrong. Oh, you know what? I think Night of the Ghoul did come out. That was Scott Snyder and Francesco Francavilla. I think that one came out, and we missed it. I do want to check uh, that out though, because I love Francavilla. We have Demons as the other one, so and that's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And I'm happy to see Scott Snyder doing his own stuff and reminding us that hey. He's really good at this. We don't have to make fun of death metal anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Night of, the, Night of the Ghoul is already out. Yes, okay. you're correct. You are correct. Oh, yes. Let's fast forward to this week and talk about Ant number one from Image. It's $3.99. It was written and drawn by Eric Larson. Here's your solicit. Ant, who she is and how she came to be. Eric Larson takes on a whole new wall crawler. Ant's Epic Adventures kicks off with this all new origin issue. A new ongoing title by Eric Larson. Got that? I heard Eric Larson's on the book. This is the first issue of Ant by Eric Larson. (laughs) Ant is a character created by Mario Gully while serving time in jail for robbery and a bit of a success story for Gully, too, who went on to write the character at two different imprints before selling Ant to Savage Dragon creator Eric Larson. In the back matter of the book, Larson explains there were some aspects of the other Ant stories that didn't jibe well with its own continuity or the idea that Ant would be joining the image U of heroes, which I guess I didn't realize was still a shared universe thing, but it is. I mean, it, it is when they want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Is the answer to that. Regardless, Larson tells kind of a herky jerky origin tale for Ant that uses some of the story elements from the character's past runs, which is also explained in the back matter, and drops her into the image you with a defined power and an origin. If you like Larson's art, you'll like him here, although he does do a lot of spread leg work on the eight different variant covers. But hey, so does Spider-Man. Larson legit (laughs) loves this character and says he has big plans for his new wall crawler with expanding feelers that can put out an enemy's eyes when needed. (laughs) Personally, this felt kind of like a confusing origin, but fans of the old material may appreciate that Larson is trying to patch the story together while updating Ant for his vision of the image you. Again, I'm not really sure who she'll be sharing it with. Obviously, the Savage Dragon will show up. And there was some concept art featuring Spawn in the back matter, too. But it's herky-jerky on purpose, because I think they want us to sort of see this as like she is trying to figure out what's real 
and what's not. But she was, there were some time jumps where she's like right. remembering things from being a child. And some I'm, things. Like, I'm not 100% sure how old she's supposed to be when she becomes aunt, which yeah. is another issue. We're not really sure yet. I it's was, a whole other issue. Yeah. I was never a big Savage Dragon fan, but I get why fans love the Savage Dragon. And you cannot take anything away from a creator that is stuck with his character and given fans what they want for almost 30 damn years. I guess we'll see if Ant can do the same, but I cannot say that this new hero has made a Larson fan out of me. I'm giving it a skim it. I think he is going out on a limb here and trying something, and I'll give him props for that. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember Ant. I remember when it came out back in the day. It's it's looked exactly the same uh, since, you know, it first debuted 15 plus years ago. She is a busty, faceless, you know, uh, sex pot with huge tits and a skin tight red outfit. Tiny waist. Basically, she's just she might as well be naked, right? (laughs) Ha ha. You can see her nipples poking through it. She got big Um, old butt. (laughs) <laughs> Can, uh, I mean, despite the fact that, by the way, it is supposed to be, as described in the comic, a hard exoskeleton. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how her nipples get poking, get poked through it, but whatever, whatever. Uh, that's, you know, comic book science, we're not meant to understand. Yeah, come on, man. So, Ant, yes, it's been a thing. Uh, Mario Gully's uh, story is fascinating. The, the fact that he created it in, while he was in jail uh, is very cool and how he was able to make something of it. Um, the back matter is especially fascinating when Larson reveals that every time uh, an issue of Ant came out, it contradicted something that they had already done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like Mario Gully couldn't even figure out the uh, the story of Ant and then eventually just couldn't even be bothered. Well, beyond that, Which he couldn't decide fine. if the character was an imaginary character in the little girl's head or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Which is a whole, that's a thing. problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, Eric Larson did his best to put together an origin here. And I thought the origin, like the origin came together fine for me. Like yeah. I understood, I understood it. There were time jumps, but whatever. I think that Eric Larson, uh, he did something like, I love his art. Um, but he, he drew this, uh, in a slightly different style than he usually does with Savage Dragon, which I thought was interesting. Uh, What I thought was troubling is how it seemed that uh, though there are time jumps forward and, and and the girl is certainly um, older when she finally manifests the ant powers. um, It sure seems like she's young, like very, very young or too old to be beat up by bullies. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, one of I, the no, two. I mean, I think like at that most, she might be like high school, middle school. Yeah, I can't really age. tell. She's either like 18 or 14 and I can't really tell. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and she manifests this very voluptuous, uh, maybe that's a shell lady, but maybe that's a shell. Okay. But no, no, that's, you can't like, no, that's Look, not, man. Uh, I don't know how I don't ants give work. a shit if there's a story. Ex- ex- Maybe there's sex. You're, right, you're right. I don't you know. know. I think <laughs> ant, everything. One thing I know, ants are hot. And I definitely want to bone one. You ever picked one up uh, and looked real close? I haven't. Maybe they're good looking. Not, like, take a good look at my <laughs> thorax, baby. Um, and also double uh, couple that with the fact that um, the visual basis for the girl that becomes ant is based off of Mario Gully's young daughter. 
it's kind of weird and creepy, and I, I thought it was kind of icky. Well, um, but Gully but even said he had a he had a plan to age her up as well. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, all of that said, like I understand, like there there's a story that the story never got fleshed out. They're coming in hot with a brand new take on the character. It's weird. I think the art is fun. Ant as a character does not appeal to me in the slightest. Uh, I'm giving this a skimmit. Good on Mario Gully for getting the attention of somebody with actual influence in the comic industry, because how many people can say that they come up, they came up with some fever dream of a character that like Robert Kirkman bought, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But that's, uh, the, I, I think that's kind of weird too. Like good on him. Sure. But he did completely sell the character. Like he has nothing to do with this. No, it's true. He sold, he sold the character other than it's saying created Eric by Carson. Mario Gully. That's it. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, it happens. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so good for him. You know, um, this is a skimmit. It didn't make me an ant fan, but I appreciate the effort. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I will say that it's, it's, it's very interesting. interesting. It's, it's interesting. And uh, like, there's a lot of like, look, there's a lot about the character and Eric Larson's current work in general. That is just kind of gross because he is kind of just decided Savage Dragon is full on like soft I mean, Hey man, he, instead he, of just implying it, it's just like, yep. People That's, love it, and if you're yeah. into it, there's nothing. Some wrong people with love it, and it's it still has its place, and and sure. um, it, but whatever. And uh, I will say on on Savage Dragon, like he does not do it from a disgusting or gratuitous place. Is it there? Yeah, but I don't think it's like I'm not sure what you mean gratuitous by that or, or how gross. You can say that. I think he handles it pretty well for the most part. I mean, like it, it's not. No one's being like raped or abused. And oh, well, shit like okay. That, I mean, you know yes, I, mean? I guess. I, yeah, I guess They're there's that. Sexually active characters. I, you know, right, whatever. Uh, very, very, very yeah. sexually and active they're into characters. It. Yeah. So anyway, it's just not my cup of tea. But, you know, I appreciate the effort, like I said. My first book from this week is Nubia and the Amazon's number one from DC. It's $3.99. It's written by Vita Ayala and Stephanie Williams with art by Aletha Martinez, not Althea. I always have to stop myself. I, me too. Now here's your solicit. After the thrilling events of Infinite Frontier, Nubia becomes queen of Themyscira, but the new title also brings challenges with the unexpected arrival of new Amazons. Our hero is forced to reckon with her past and forge a new path forward for her sisters. Little does she know a great evil grows beneath the island and it's up to this former guardian of doom's doorway to unite her tribe before paradise is lost forever. This unforgettable miniseries from writers Vita Ayala and Stephanie Williams, along with all-star artist Aletha Martinez who uh, worked on Future State. I think they all worked on Future State. Brings the fan favorite character back to the DCU for good after Nubia, the world of the Amazons will never be the same. So I haven't really been following the Wonder Woman titles at all uh, other than Wonder Girl. Uh, so I'm a little hazy on the current status quo and the history of Nubia. But the writers do an excellent job here of creating an, an entry point for new readers. Nubia is the last Amazon resurrected through the Well of Souls and would have become champion if not for the unexpected birth of Diana, that is, the champion to the man's world. Fast forward a few centuries and Nubia finds herself serving as queen in the absence of Diana and Hippolyta. Now the well has brought forth life once again, bringing new Amazons to the island for the first time in 300 years, not to mention a portent 
of doom. It's a lot of doom. It's a like big doom. Big yeah, doom. they're doomed. Extra O's. Uh, the writers juggle a large and growing cast pretty well and are able to bring a distinct voice to the varied Amazon personalities in a relatively few number of pages. Uh, I really enjoyed Martinez's art and the attention to detail she put into each page. Uh, the Themyscirin backgrounds are ornate, and I even noticed small details like the fact that most of the Amazons we see are women of color. Uh, Nubia's breastplate only covering one side of her chest. Uh, it might seem impractical, but it visually links her to the Amazons of legend who would have one breast removed in order to become better archers. Nubia, number one, serves a great entry point to a character I knew nothing about and had little interest in before now. I'll be back for number two. Nubia, number one, gets a buy it. I thought this was great. Yeah, I like that they're making her hard, like really hard and i think we forget that the amazons they've always been portrayed like they're badass yeah whatever they're badass like you don't right. want and you don't want to mess with the amazons they're crazy <laughs> you know yeah i mean this isn't the i mean this isn't the brian azarello cliff chang murder the argonauts on their boats while they sleep kind of no but but i would buy it if these amazons did that i'd be like well i mean they're amazons okay you know <laughs> they're sure. badasses and the art was fantastic i really like the character of nubia and i feel like nubia sort of popped up at a weird time in dc where they were doing a lot of new stuff and there were like yeah. three wonder women running around and she just kind of got shuffled off so i'm glad to see they're doing something cool with her if nothing else i'm giving yeah. this a buy it as well i don't know where this is going to fit into wonder woman context or even if it is supposed to well this is this is concurrent with the current wonder woman series okay i'm behind so i'm um, really sure yeah i mean i haven't been reading it at all so but it is concurrent with the with the wonder woman series um and this serves as a lead-in to the just announced um amazon centric uh, event that dc is going to have uh here in a few months last time they had one of those it didn't work out so well Editor's note, check out Two-Headed Nerd number 635 for more on that. Amazon member and Matt. If, if it's anything like this, like, I really liked this portrayal of the Amazons. Um, I like that yeah. Nubia has a personality other than is also a Wonder Woman. Yeah, and, and, um, and I think it's, it's cool because Wonder Woman is not interacting with the Amazon. She is in the regular world, hanging out with the Justice League, doing a bunch of stuff. It's cool to mm -hmm. see a character that is right here embedded with them and doing this job. And I dig it. It's a good place for this character to exist. Right. And I kind of also dig like the Guy Gardner-esque, like they're uh, like would have had it if only, uh, yeah. you know, kind of aspect of her, of her um, existence where it's like, yeah, she would have been Wonder Woman except, yeah. oh shit, Diana was born. Right. And that's and, also you know, yeah. okay. And she seems to be all right with it. Right, right. Whereas, like, it, Guy Gardner. A reason, it also gives a good reason why, like, why haven't we seen Nubia? Well, it's because she's been. Yes. Garden Doom's doorway. For and, like, I buy years. that Guy Gardner would be a shithead about that because he's Guy Gardner. Nubia, she's better yeah. than that. No, nah, she know? knows her role. She yeah. knows her, her place. Yeah. She's a soldier. Exactly. Let's leave the comfy confines of Themyscira and get into some horror, shall we? I want to talk about Refrigerator Fall Aheads, number one, from DC, Black Label, Hill House. <laughs> it's $3.99. It's written by Rio Yours with art by Tom Fowler. Here's your solicit. 
Hill House Comics is back and heads are gonna roll for making readers wait. The new wave of titles begins with a rancid return trip to bloody Brody Island. For a year now, the mysterious axe that unleashed pandemonium during the hurricane of 83 was waited at the bottom of the bay, but nothing that powerful stays buried. Brody Island has new visitors, a new sheriff in town, two, not to mention a dangerous great white shark spotted in its waters, and when vacationing couple Calvin Beringer and Arlene Fields find themselves on the wrong side of Brody's unsavory elements, their beachcombing will turn up something a lot sharper than sea glass. It's the axe. Crime novelist Rio Yuris joins forces with artist Sharkhead <laughs> with Tom Fowler to unleash a gonzo grindhouse expansion on the lore of the original basket full of heads. Now, Hill House may be back, but they haven't announced any other titles yet. So we'll, well see. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. That's perfectly fine. It is. It seems the rumors of Hill House's death were greatly exaggerated here on THN. Turns out it was on hiatus. Although we haven't seen any news of the other titles returning, this new six issue mini looks to expand the full of heads mythos with a whole new creative team. And when you're dealing in grindhouse horror, you can do a lot worse than an artist like Tom Fowler. <laughs> the art is just as visceral and bloody as your script as it literally pulls the reader through this gory romp. So far, the only real throwback to the basket full of head story is the reappearance of the axe that allows its beheaded victims to keep talking after death. No spoilers there, as that was the setup for the original series. Why Hill isn't writing this seems a little strange to me, but yours does a solid job sticking to the original story's 70s horror campy feel and even introduces a Jaws homage to Brody Highland. There's some real fun here for fans of this kind of mean-spirited B-movie horror, and while Fowler doesn't have the same style that Leo Max brought to the first series, he does a damn good job maintaining the spirit. I'll give props to DC for taking a chance on original horror stories like this rather than another out-of-continuity DC heroes versus zombies or vampire story. Well, never mind, because there's a preview for both of those upcoming stories, too. Regardless, a book like Refrigerator Full of Heads feels right at home at Black Label if the imprint was supposed to be Vertigo's spiritual successor. But it's not. And I don't know what it is, other than a place to tell comic stories for mature audiences. And DC Horror Presents is out there, too. And it's also for mature audiences, but not black. Look, just buy this, okay? <laughs> Look, I mean, we talked about this. The branding is so bad. <laughs> we, we talked about this. Yeah, it's, it's black label. Why it's black label, I, I couldn't say. Yeah, um, who knows? Hell House's identity is not in question. It is a line of horror yes. comics curated by Joe Hill. They're not all written by Joe Hill. He didn't write all of the first wave, either. Uh, it's perfectly uh, fine that it's back. I, I liked a lot of the Hill House books. To, a bunch of and to be fair there. to DC, I yelled about this on the internet the other night, and someone came in and said, look, I don't work for DC, but it seems to me DC Horror Presents directly touches on DC characters in horror Except situations. Now, I'll get there. Whereas Hill House is all original Hill House horror stuff. And I said, okay. Shall we talk about the book that I reviewed last week? That was by the <laughs> the Soul Plumber book, which has nothing to do with DC. So no, no, you're wrong. The branding is terrible. <laughs> okay. No, it's we. You and I talked about this recently before we recorded. Hill House is a line curated by Joe Hill in much the same way 
that Wonder Comics was a line curated by Brian Michael Bendis or Young Animal was a line curated by Gerard Way. DC Horror Presents is just not part of Hill House. There are horror stories that DC wants to tell that aren't part of the Hill House line, and that's fine. Or Black Label. I don't understand why some are black label and some are that not. That is where we get, get that's where we get in the mess. <laughs> but wait, it's not a mess. It's only a mess in our minds. Who gives a shit? Like DC can put out a comic with F bombs and, and shirts sure. in it and not call it black label. And who's going to care? I asked my branding manager about this at uh, the company I work for, and I'm not going to drag their name through the mud, but I, I just like laid it out and had them look at it and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it's terrible. It's, 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 pff, I, I mean, look, it's confusing. <laughs> but, like, I, but like, I, I understand that soul plumber is not a Hill house. Right. Bike. That's go, fine. It's fine. And you're right. And this is a longer uh, rant and we can get into cover to cover if we want, but let's, and, let's go back and again, it. it's a problem only in our own minds. Right. You know, uh, the story is good. The art is good. I love Tom Fowler. I love him. Uh, I think Gonzo is a great word to describe his art. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, I'm a huge fan and he does a great job here uh, with the ridiculous uh, concept of a basket full of heads and the, the reanimation acts or whatever it's called. There's a little bit something more going on than just uh, some vacationers getting caught up in something they weren't expecting. Like, no, I think they're expecting it. And yeah, I think it's a, a, the Jaws homage is fun. This was a buy it from me. Um, I can't wait for, you know, the sequel, sequel, the igloo cooler full of heads, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, can keep this, they can keep this going at infinitum. <laughs> <Right. them. laughs> Speaking of black label, <laughs> our final book of the week goes to Catwoman Lonely City. Number one, it is, of course, from DC Comics, and it is part of the black label imprint. It's got cusses in it. It's six dollars and ninety nine cents. It's written and drawn by Cliff Chang. Here is your solicit. Ten years ago, the massacre known as Fool's Night claimed the lives of Batman, the Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon, and sent Selina Kyle, the Catwoman, to prison. A decade later, Gotham has grown up. It's put away costume heroism and villainy as childish things. The new Gotham is cleaner, safer, dot, 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 and a lot less free. Under the watchful eye of Mayor Harvey Dent and his Bat Cops. It's into this new city that Selena Kyle returns, a changed woman, dot, 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 with her mind on that one last big score, the secrets hidden inside the Batcave. She doesn't need the money. She just needs to know, dot, 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 who is Orpheus? (laughs) Visionary creator Cliff Chang, you know him from the aforementioned Wonder Woman. Paper Girls as well. He writes, draws, colors, and letters. The story of a world without Batman where one woman's wounds threaten to tear apart an entire city. It is an unmissable artistic statement that will change the way you see Gotham's heroes and villains forever. Or at least until it ends, you know. Well, right, you know. Uh, Cliff Chang is the sort of talent that comes in like a hurricane, flattening most other comics in its wake before fading away for a while. Just when you've started to focus on other stories and creators, Hurricane Chang is back and he won't be ignored. Free from the constraints of future fear state, Chang presents a different vision of Gotham City, one where Batman was killed and Selina Kyle was imprisoned for a decade. And now that she's free, she finds herself in a city remade by the mayor, 
a seemingly reformed Harvey Dent, Two-Face and all. Yeah, I, part of me was like, okay, we voted for Two-Face for mayor. And then I went, Matt, I mean, can we talk about some of the other stuff that happened in Gotham recently? I was like, all right, Matt, you're right. Right. I mean, they, they put Norman Osborn in charge of national, yeah, okay. national security. No, like, but people can't be trusted. To be fair, nobody knew, those people didn't know that Norman Osborn was a Green Goblin. Uh, Okay. Two-Face yeah. is definitely Two-Face <laughs> and the I mayor. Mean, I'm willing to bet money that the government knew, but okay. <laughs> Vigilantes have been outlawed and replaced by a militarized police force nicknamed Backops because of the helmets they wear with bad ears in memory of the fallen hero. But Harvey doesn't like them being called Backops. Gotham is safer than it's ever been, at least on the surface. Chang throws an older Selena back into this new world and she bounces off it hard. No money, no Orwellian ID badge or chip or bracelet or whatever it was, and no prospects. I loved seeing Selena reconnect with her one-time peers, some older and more pathetic, some more powerful than ever. Uh, Chang offers a wonderful take on these personalities like an elderly killer croc that spends his days swilling beer and recalling the glory days. I love like wife beater bowling shirt killer crap. Yeah. Just with like a one of the not a beret. What's that? What's that cap that old Italian guys wear? Like I, I, I can't remember what it's called. I know what you're talking um, about. But you know what I'm talking about. Watch any episode of The Sopranos. Uh, this Selena is older with bad knees and back spasms, but still formidable. She runs circles around the back cops with glee in an effort to fulfill Bruce Wayne's dying wish. This is the perfect way to set up a story, but Chang doesn't stop there. The artwork is, of course, incredible. He brings the subtle totalitarianism of this new Gotham City to life with slick line art that never seems overworked and bright, bold splashes of color that contrast against the gritty darkness. It's beautiful. Catwoman Lonely City is hands down the best comic I read this week. Don't let the price tag scare you. This one's worth every penny. It's a buy it. It's 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 a huge one. It's a it's a beefy boy. Like yeah, Incredible Hulk. Like we haven't Hulk. We haven't seen Cliff Chang write before, have we? You know, I think we probably have. I just can't place it right now. All right. I'll look it up while you talk. I can't either. But this was great. He wrote the hell out of it, and I really like the idea where he sat down and and thought to him. I'm picturing him thinking this, of course. But like, all right, what is Catwoman? She's sexy. She's sexy. She's got she's she's always catting around and she and she unzips her stuff. It's a wow, Catwoman. What if we took that away and dug into like the fact that she's badass? That like, sure, she's super good looking and she slinks around and makes out with Batman and he may or may not go down on her or whatever. You know, but like <laughs> regardless. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Let's get to who like Selena really is. And I think aging her a little bit is a really cool trick. It's not a new trick. We've seen old man Wolverine, old man Hawkeye and shit like that. Sure, of course. But this is not old woman Selena either. It's a little older Selena who is still a complete badass. And I really like the sort of like she's out of prison, but she doesn't recognize this Gotham. And maybe it's a little more dangerous than the old one that she did know with you know, the penguin and Mr. Freeze and all the, and the Joker and all the crazy shit that used to go on. It's a good shakeup when all the other shakeups that we've seen of Batman and Gotham recently are end of the world road warrior style lunacy or right. complete it's, it's just lockdown like a natural you know? progression of like yeah. what would happen, you know? Yeah. And I thought it was really well told and gentle in storytelling. They didn't force anything. 
They didn't push anything. Like, the magistrate showed up and built a wall around Gotham. And the rest of the United States is like, all right, whatever. You know, like, no, this is very believable, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this feels like what happened to New York after the 70s when everyone said it's a cesspool and a bunch of, like, you know, porn theaters and drugs everywhere and stuff. And a, a mayors came in and said, well, we don't want that. We're cleaning it up. Stuff like this can happen. Absolutely. And Batman mm-hmm. just happened to die. I'm giving this a buy it. I thought Chang did a better job, quite honestly, like I said, in shaking up the idea of what Gotham is, where it goes, and what it could be, as opposed to what's happening right now in Future State, which is just a mess. This did it in one well, issue. Well, I mean, this this also has, like, no... It has no limits put on it. Like, it's it's not about setting up a status quo. You're right. It's not about... You but know, they like, did set up a status quo very easily. They set, up, they set up a status quo for the purposes of this one story. Sure, but they did but it very... But it's not like the future of Gotham. Sure, but they did it I mean? very gently, is what I'm saying, where you had more time to do that in the regular book. You could have spread that out, let it breathe. They didn't. They just went, wham, this is happening. And they're like, oh, that happened. It's gone. Wham, we're getting back into it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's no I mean, excuse. I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think you're kind of, you're comparing apples and oranges a little bit, but I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, I'm just saying um, they had way less time to set up what they did in this book and did a better job. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like an Ocean's eleven style approach, right? It's like, right. You know everything you need to know about this character already. It's yeah. Danny Ocean. He's a he's a thief. Sure. You know he's a thief. He's getting out of jail. He's getting back on the job. And he's still that's, the same I mean, thief. It's the world that's changed. There you have it. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, Cliff Chang is has done some writing, uh, uh, mostly independent stuff. Uh, like he did a little Nemo uh, in a, in Slumberland graphic novel uh, in oh, 2014. I didn't know that. Uh, he's done short stories here and there. Um, he also did some stuff for Batman black and white. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's done some writing, but yeah, primarily he's known as an artist and I thought he killed it. Yeah. Uh, with this story. Double threat. Um, there you go. So there you have it. Cliff Chang. Eight comics entered Joe Patrick, but only one is leaving this Thunderdome and entering the THN permanent collection Valhalla, which book from the review pile was your victor, sir. Do I even need to ask? Uh, I mean, it's definitely Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman Lonely City, though I did very much enjoy Clear. Uh, I also really liked um, your first, or no, my first book, Immortal Hulk, obviously. Right. Um, So there were a lot of great books this week, but really I was blown away by Catwoman Lonely City. Um, It just, it was so unexpected. Like I knew it was gonna look good, but I didn't expect Cliff Chang to come in and write such a compelling story. Um, almost effortlessly, as you said, you know, like he came in, he established the world. We know everything we need to know about it, uh, except for the things we don't, which will be revealed. And, um, you know, he hit the ground running. And it, uh, like as much as I loved Immortal Hulk, it didn't take 50 issues to get there. Sure. Uh, nor did he try to cram five years of continuity into one alpha special and right. six issues of a monthly title. Right. So it's the same answer for me. Uh, I love the Immortal Hulk. Don't get me wrong, but that's seems like it's not fair to like you know it's the bookend of something. Right. Bad. I mean, like ask me ask, ask me which is one of my which is my favorite modern comic run of the last decade, and you'll get a different answer sure. probably. But no, but, this issue, like I said, I. I'm so exhausted with all the shakeups that have been going on in Batman and Arkham and Gotham 
that it, it was just like not another one. Please, no. And this was a pleasant surprise. And they, Cliff Chang nailed it. It's easily my favorite this week. Want to read along with THN? You can find each episode's review list on our Twitter and Facebook weekly on Tuesdays. And don't forget to check out our Instagram feed to see our covers of the week every Wednesday. Also, we want to know what you thought about these comics and anything you read on our live Holland show. That's THN cover to cover. We're doing it this Saturday on Facebook Live from 11 to noon Central Time. After a long review sesh like that, Joe and I like to kick back in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, burn a little sandalwood incense, and project our two-headed astral self into the future to peruse next week's comics at our LCS. Joe, what's your must-read pick for next Wednesday? 1027. Ooh, 1027. Next week, I'm excited to read Cross to Bear, number one from Aftershock. It's $4.99. It's written, look, and I apologize in advance, guys. Yeah. It's written by Marco Stojanovic. Yeah, I think I, I think you nailed it. With art by Sinisa Banovic or Banovic. I think there is an H when it's a Vich. I want to say it's an itch. Yeah, yeah I want to say it's got, it ends with an itch. I think it's an ick. I think it's just an ick. I, th- oh, I think wait, there's actually an just... A. No, I'm saying I think there's actually an H when it's like a Stoisic, you know, or Stavanovich. I mean, I think that's the case sometimes. Anyway, here's your solicit. Jack the Ripper was never caught because no one was looking for him in the Wild West. <laughs> Whoa. No one except, <laughs> no one accept with an A. Yeah. Come on, guys. Nice job, guys. A-C-C-E-B-T, that's not correct. No one except the order an organization made up of the descendants of crusaders sworn to eradicate the unnatural. The order will stop at nothing to fulfill the pledge their forefathers made, even if it means crossing the ocean or a line or two. Hey, look, uh, the crusades were gross. Uh, It's not cool to glorify the crusades, but I do like the idea of an ancient order that thinks they know the best. And uh, especially when Jack the Ripper is involved, I love Jack the Ripper stories. This love them. And this is one of those things that's like, you're not going to get this on TV. This is only in comics, man. Well, <laughs> you I mean, know? And, but that's just it, is that you could get it on TV. Like, I've seen weirder shit on TV. But, uh, like, look, man, I watched four seasons of a show where Ichabod Crane, a fictional character oh, from God. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, got transported to the present day Ugh. and fought supernatural crime. I bailed on that show uh, so hard. <laughs> uh, it's not very good. No. <laughs> uh, the entire cast turned over like three times, yeah. except for the lead actor. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I love Jack the Ripper stories, and I especially love like Jack the Ripper, but he escaped, and now he's here. Don't look now. He's over there. Oh, uh, Like, I love that shit. And so, like Jack the Ripper, he left. Uh, he got. He left uh, Whitechapel. He's like, shit's getting too hot for me here. I'm gonna hop on a boat and I'm gonna go to the west. Yeah, awesome. Give it to me, South Dakota. Oh. That's where I should go. <laughs> yeah, Deadwood. I want him to be in Deadwood. I want him to be Wyatt Earp. Uh, all right, all right, all right. My pick for next anyway. week is Daredevil 35 from Marvel. It's 3.99. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. Here is your solicit. Lockdown continues as Bullseye reigns over New York City! From the series that's taken the comics world by storm for over two years, it's the grudge match of the century. Bullseye versus Elektra! I don't know if you know what happened the last time Bullseye fought Elektra, but it did not go well. 
for Electra. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, one of the times. Yeah, yeah I think the they've times. met uh, several times. But yes, I think the, the, the most famous time. I think something very big is going to happen here. And they've sort of been building to the fact that Electra has been a better Daredevil than Daredevil. And one thing Daredevil has never done is murder Bullseye. So I'm Well, cl- in fact, he did. And uh, that's why that's because he became possessed by a demon. Well, that's uh, different. <laughs> I mean, we're not counting that. Come on. So I have a feeling Electra is going to kill Bullseye next week. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I need to get caught up. I'm I'm behind like. I, I hit that King and Black uh, crossover and I was like, oh, I don't. Really oh, it was short. It was really short. I know, but like it was. And there was like, still good stuff that happened in there. I know. I know. But like that issue, I was just like, ah, no, and I, I, gotcha. I, I just haven't gone back to it yet. Not because I don't love the book. I do. Of course I do. Um, but I lost track during King, King and Black and I need to get caught up. Man, it's good. I um, think this is going to be the thing that kicks off the Daredevil versus Daredevil. Well, Devil's, we know that Devil's Reign is coming after Daredevil yeah. 36. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, all, all, all roads lead to that, and I'm excited for that. I am very excited for Chip Zdarsky to take the reins of, like, a big Marvel event. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's, like, a big Marvel event, like, Secret Wars level big. No, I think it's just a big Daredevil. But, I mean, like, it's still, like, it's still running through a lot of titles. Yeah. Like, it's, it's going to be a big deal. It's definitely going to touch a lot um, of the New York-based sort of, like, street level. Yeah, heroes, I'm so. into it, man. I, I, I love this team. I love it when Marco Cicero comes back and draws the book. Um, I know he takes a lot of breaks, but um, it can't be beat when those two guys are oh, running yeah. on, uh, firing on all cylinders. The THN trade of the week is Black Knight colon Curse of the Ebony Blade from Marvel. It's $15.99. Here's your creative team. It's written by Simon Spurrier with art by Sergio Davila. It might just be Davila because there's only one L. Could be. Look at us. We're trying to learn yeah. without doing any actual research. Here's your solicit. Dane Whitman rides again as the Black Knight, wielder of the magical ebony blade. But Dane bears the burden of the blade's curse, an insatiable lust for blood and mayhem that forever threatens to swallow its owner in darkness. No big deal. Following the battle against the King in Black, a reinvigorated Dane has a renewed sense of purpose. But the ebony blade is the key to a new enemy's evil plan, and only Dane can prevent the coming death and destruction. The conflict spanning the conflict. Oh, sorry. There's a hyphen. The conflict spanning from mythical Camelot to modern day NYC will test Dane like never before and challenge everything he believes about himself, the Ebony Blade and the entire history of his lineage. What is the dread power of dot, dot, dot. There they are. The Ebony Chalice. The way that they use punctuation in these solicits is like you did a hyphen, like, a hyphen, and then you did a comma. Like, what are we okay, doing? So, <laughs> uh, it's a hy- it was a hyphen, a hyphen, and a. So, like, remember last week or the week before when we were reading the solicits and they didn't put spaces between the hyphens? Yeah. And so we thought instead of saying conflict, pause, right. spanning from, we <laughs> right. would have said conflict spanning <laughs> yeah. like latter day like you guys whatever <laughs> come on <laughs> uh and so uh yeah it's it's just punctuation's important get it straight it collects black knight curse of the ebony blade one through five i think we reviewed the one shot we reviewed the one shot and yeah we didn't review number one of we those, didn't really see we reviewed the, the we reviewed the king in black one shot 
Editor's note, C-T-H-N, episode 608, Black Knight Bomb. And we really liked it. I read this, and, and I loved this. I yeah, I mean, I love great. the Black Knight. I love him. I do, too. And, and he's going to be in the Eternals next month, so you want to be with uh, cool, you know like, what? cool kids, yeah, right? I'm just saying, don't look it up. Don't look it up. If you don't want to get spoiled, uh, the, the, the Eternals Hollywood premiere was uh, the other day, and people are just storming the internet with spoilers yeah. as though everyone got invited. Man, so, Polygon fucked it up for me. I know like, they did. Thanks a lot, assholes. guys. You and, know? Like, it's like the headline, and then right under the headline, this could contain spoilers for what? Like, yeah, it's right, right yeah, there. Yeah. It's like uh, they it's said, like, Darth Vader look, is Luke's dad. This could be a, a spoiler for the Empire Strikes Back. You assholes. You there's a, there is a contention out there that will say casting news is not a spoiler. And I will agree. Except for when the identity of the character that actor X is playing. Yes. Is a fucking mystery. Yes. Come on. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Don't look up Black Knight spoilers for Eternals. Just Dane Whitman's in the movie. Let's just be satisfied with that for now. All I was um, saying is he's going to be in the movie. You want to know about the Black Knight? Pick this up. It's read this prime. comic. Yes, yes. please. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I uh, let me tell you real quick. Aside, very very quick, uh, and not a Joe story time. Um, I, as I mentioned er, on an earlier show, I recently reread uh, Secret Invasion and most of the tie-ins. Uh, four of which were the first four issues of Captain Britain and MI-13, and I forgot how wonderful that comic is. It's excellent. And we criticize comic. We, we, we feel bad for comics that have to start their runs as tie-ins to events. Paul Cornell and Leonard Kirk, they hit that ball out. Of, they, they, they hit a sticky wicket from, like, Page one. Yes. And Black Knight is great in that. Spurrier comic. did too. And like with it, because like the one shot well, was, yeah, a, was King and Black. Was a yeah. King and Black thing. And it was great. And I was like, yeah. okay, fine. I'm on board for your mini. And the mini yep. is also great. I am the Black Knight. So uh these comics sound cool, right? I mean, so do your local comic book store a favor and pre-order them, will ya? And don't forget. To check out this month's Take a Look, it's in a book club read. Joe Hill's Basket Full of Heads from the not-defunct DC Hillhouse imprint. It is available in comic shops everywhere right now. Every week on Cover to Cover, we ask you nerds to call us at 402-819-4894 and leave a message if you can't watch the show live, but you still want to talk to us. But that's not all the THN hotline is good for. Loyal, listener, and artistic patron, Tony Mathers, not THN patron, though he might be, I forget. He is also a patron of the arts. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> okay. Specifically, yours truly. Uh, he, of course, knows this, and that's why he's getting his question answered on this week's Patreon Extra Ask a Nerd segment. Here's a sneak peek of what Tony's asking us, but if you want to hear the whole segment, head over to patreon.com slash nerd and become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Take it away, Tony. Hey, guys. Tony Mathers. After seeing uh, Shang-Chi, and don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything, I was thinking about other plot threads that the MCU hasn't really followed up on. I mean, because now they've obviously brought the real Mandarin uh, 
forward from Iron Man 3. So, uh, and you know how in Endgame they showed what happened to Red Skull. So I was trying to think of any older stuff that they really haven't paid out on. Not like newer things like, you know, Nick Fury being in space and whatnot. And the only one I can think of is the leader, how they set him up in the Edward Norton Hulk movie. So I was wondering if you guys can think of any other plot threads or any other setups they have that they really just seem to have abandoned and haven't come back to at all. So, all right. Take care, guys. Excelsior! (laughs) That is it for THN 640! It was a landmark episode, and we didn't even mark the landmark, Joe. What's the landmark? What's the the 640 landmark? I'd like to know. Every 10 issues, you know, is a landmark. That's, no. Yeah. I can't, I don't got it in me to do it. Next week, the Cosmic Longbox commands us to review classic comics based on the theme, and this one is just in time for a spooky season. We'll be reviewing classic Halloween specials. <laughs> yeah, but not like necessarily those 80 page like annual Halloween. Like, not that I mean, shit, no, right? just pick the ones where it's like, like this is an uncharacteristic. It's a Halloween themed issue of your normal comic. of Superman, you know. All right, good. Stuff All like right. that. I like it. I like it. If you want to wrap about this week's episode or any of the weekly nerdy news we're following, you can follow that on our Facebook, although the name's going to change real quick here. I think they're, what are they calling it? Uh, Truth Social, is that right? What Facebook has changed their name to? Is that right? Uh, yeah, Truth Social. Um, <laughs> Everybody go sign make, up. It's Here's called Make Social great. Media Great Again. Yeah, it's Bigly Kick-Ass. Hit us up on our live call-in show, THN, cover to cover, every Saturday at 11 Central Time. It is hosted on our Facebook page. And don't forget about the question of the week. Yeah, buddy. This week's question was submitted by John Littrell via voicemail. Tell us about your favorite nerdy find from an unexpected place, your garage sales, your thrift or consignment shops, etc. Where did you find a great comic book memory in a place where you weren't expecting to find comic books? I love it. Uh, please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. Thank you to uh, those of you that have been putting them in on the forums. Um, the forums, I'm not going to lie, they're probably going to go away. I'm just trying to figure out a way to curate uh, stuff that people send in. We're, but anyway, keep them coming. Uh, you can call us at 402-819-4894 or join our Zoom by clicking on the link in the Facebook Live video chat. If you can't be there live, shoot an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com or leave a message at the hotline and you could be internet famous. Uh, please try to keep your recorded messages to two minutes or less. We've got a lot of air to share with a lot of nerds, or I guess it's not that much air to share with a lot of nerds. Uh, also, don't forget about the THN Name the Segment contest, which is currently raging. Uh, you can go to twoheadednerd.com. In the reviews column in the middle, the top post is all of the details about the contest, uh, what you can do to submit a name for the new segment described therein. Uh, you've got until the end of the day on Halloween. Yeah, you got about ten days when you hear this. Well, that's it. That's right. Get in there. Uh, so to get a, get me your answers uh, via one of the methods uh, outlined in that post, and we will draw a name. We won't draw it. We'll get together and we'll pick one. Yeah, we're picking our favorite. Uh, we're not drawing. It's not man. random. No, no, no. We're not drawing. Oh, sorry. great! It's called Farty McFarty Face. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. uh, but the winner, uh, the the person who comes up with the name we like best, will receive a copy of the book we choose for our first topic. Get in on it now. Well, you still have time. 
If you're new to the show and you would rather somebody farted in your McFarty face than listen to any more, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. THN, it is a listener-supported podcast. You don't hear no ads on here, and it wouldn't be possible without the generosity of donors like... Reed Wants Comics. It's a weird name, but I'm assuming it's a family name, so we're not going to judge it. Yeah, that's Slovakian or something. <laughs> if you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd. Well, you- I think it's Reed Wants Comic. Is that right? You see yeah. the H? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the CH, okay. the hard CH. <laughs> there you will find all kinds of exclusive content, or you could just make a one-time donation via PayPal because you are a stone badass, and you don't need all this extra stuff. You're just like, you know what? I do good just to put it out there in the universe because I'm some kind of unbelievable magical fairy person. I don't even know if you exist. I hope you do. Please donate to us if you do. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Comich. The whole Reed wants Comich family. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the cast and crew of Why the Last Man. Those poor bastards. They put out an excellent adaptation of the comic, and it still got canceled after just one season. Where do you cats and kittens? And here's to hoping Netflix stops rescuing crap shows like Manifest. And saves why instead. Come hey, on, listen. Netflix. Get on it. Matt, Matt Baum wrote this. My wife loves Manifest. Oh, God. It's such well, garbage. She, actually, I, I tease her for loving Manifest. She, she only really watched a few episodes. Oh, my wife hate watched uh, the whole thing. And she's like, no. this Oh, show see, that's why sucks. they think they people, that's why they think people want it. Yeah, that's she why was they so think mad. people want it. Don't do that. When Casey found out Netflix rescued it, she was like, God damn. I'm like, why do you care? She's like, because I got to fucking finish it. <laughs> well, that the good news is that, is that the people uh, behind the scenes at Why the Last Man are cautiously optimistic that they'll be able to find a new home before it's too late and you know all of the actors get released from their contracts yeah i hope that happens jupiter's legacy style (laughs) (laughs) right until next time true believers remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just release you from all your contracts without telling you this is the two-headed nerd signing off but first your onomatopoeia of the week Hello, this is Barl from Earth 27 calling with your onomatopoeia of the week. Your onomatopoeia of the week is. <coughs> is the sound of King Nob. Shooting people far more times than is necessary in the pages of. The Invisibles Volume 2 Issue 7 published 1997. I would also like to remind you that. Approximately 9 pints of blood can be harvested from the average adult human. That is all.